Welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Sprague, powered by ELEC825. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN and WWDB860, ready to help you move into the weekend, talking about all the news in the world of sports. Thursday night football is amazing, even though it's Miami versus Jacksonville and the dregs of football games. I'm trying to guard myself against the pain hearing no again. <laughs> so I just lower my expectations. You, you need to make yourself vulnerable in these moments, moments okay? okay? <laughs> well, it, you know, it's interesting. You should have watched a little bit, though, because they had fans in the stands in Jacksonville. And so you could watch them socially. Distance. How many? How many? About 20% probably of the stadium, I think, is the limit that they're allowed to have. So they were sold out for a Jacksonville game. Pretty much. Right? Yeah. I think Miami got a couple <laughs> fans that came over, too. But, I mean, look, Miami played well last night. If Brian yeah. Patrick Hayes plays that way, uh, two is not going to see the field for a while, which may be the best thing for him. Wait, wait, wait. How many – Fitzpatrick is close to 40, okay? Okay. He goes through this last every year yeah. with a different team. I believe that this is the, the sixth time that he, he has beat, now beat Jacksonville with six different teams, okay? And every year, Fitzpatrick has a couple games where they call him Fitzmagic, okay? Only because nobody has any expectations for him. And then everybody says, oh, well, whoever's behind him is never going to play. Do you really think that Fitzmagic is going to play like that all season because he's not playing Jacksonville every week. And last time I checked, I don't know who's left on Jacksonville's defense that's any good. I prefaced the whole thing I said by if. I didn't no, think he, he would. Yeah, but the, the if he keeps playing like this is, is somehow suggesting that there's any chance that he's going to play like this all season. I actually think it's really good for him to learn how to play from Fitzpatrick in terms of Tua. I think it's a pretty good mentor for him. Oh, to- I do too. But it's not like I want the Miami Dolphins to ever do well, but... We're going to uh, keep our coaches versus classic uh, series going with St. Joseph's coach Billy Lang on shortly. Uh, Jeff, what do you want to start with before we get to some college basketball? Uh, There's so much going on. The Phillies are going to try not to have missed the playoffs on an expanded playoff. We so need more than three minutes for that. Yeah, we do kidding we need me? more than three minutes for everything. I we know. Need more than three minutes for the Sixers. Mm-hmm. Need more than three minutes for Jeff. If you could just enter the number again, uh, because we had entered out of our stuff so that Brett can call the guest. Yeah, we oh. did that on air. That's my fault because we entered it out. You'll hear the magic of the radio that's going on here. Jeff, it, it's <laughs> it, if we talked Sixers. So there's Fitz magic and then there's Jason magic. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Jason is not a magician. He's not <laughs> good at this. He, he can barely turn his computer on sometimes. All right. So now you need me to enter this. So you got to keep talking. Ta- while I'm putting in the number, you guys, you have to keep talking. So chat away. Okay. So, I, you know, I was telling you before we went on the air, though, I'm not going to go to any sports yet. I'm just going to talk for a second. I was telling you before, yeah. last week before we went on the air, I realized I was wearing a green shirt in front of the green screen. My favorite moment in years. So yes. after the show, I told my <laughs> wife about that. Yeah, she wasn't surprised at all. <laughs> she she had no doubt that I would screw up something like that, being colorblind and just kind of a fool in general about those things with no fashion ability. Yeah, she was just like, "Oh, okay, really?" Uh, yeah. So we'll have uh, Billy Lang at four oh five. He'll be hopping on shortly to to talk with us. Jeff, if yeah, it, the, are you watching the NBA right now in terms of what's going on? Absolutely. Why would I not? I didn't know if your blood pressure was getting high watching Jimmy Butler. Uh, lead Miami. It, well, no, at this point, it just makes me sad. 
You know what? Why? Tell me why. And, and I've kind of adopted, as much as I've always hated the Heat, I've kind of adopted them as my team for this playoff. You can't root for the Celtics. Exactly. I mean, and, and the, the Heat is just one of those teams now. I mean, it's got, Jimmy Butler is the star of that team. Jimmy Butler is not a, the, one of the top 10 superstars in the league. Jimmy Butler, it wills himself to be better than anybody ever thought he would be. And he is a great player. He's just not, he's not an all-time great player. He's just, he's great for what he is. The rest of that team, except for Tyler Hero, who apparently has is, is taken some over somebody else's body, is, is shooting lights out. But that team is all about everything that is wrong with the Sixers. It, Tell me why. Have, because, because this team is about roles and everybody knowing exactly what they're supposed to do and playing to their strengths. That's what coaches great... Eric Spolstra is one of the, if not the top coach in the NBA right now. Yeah, you're and, he, and he has found a way to get all of these guys to buy into exactly what they, their roles are, and they execute them flawlessly. There is no way that, that the Miami Heat should be one game away from the NBA Finals. With this team, you realize the other night, they had four guys basically score. Four. Two of their star- starters barely scored, and one of them is their three-point shooter. They had 37 points off of Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero is a bench player. He's not a starter. Not in this he, he, he will be after this either after the series, unless they want to keep having him come off the bench and provide this kind of offense. But it, I mean, this was the 13th pick in the draft. This was not like a top five pick. Let's uh keep talking some basketball. Jeff, you want to bring on the coach? We'll talk some college basketball here. So we have Coach Billy Lang. Coach, uh, first off, I want to congratulate you guys for what you did last night, raising $502,000 in a night. Uh, what has it been like for you to be involved with Coaches versus Cancer in this experience? Oh, Coach, we got you there. Can you hear us? Technical difficulties. Jeff. I think he got so excited that he hung up. He was so excited that you congratulate him there. <laughs> it, it is pretty amazing to think uh, people back in the station, we can't hear the coach, so if you can work on that. Uh, it, it is pretty amazing to, to think that they raised over $500,000 uh, without getting people together That with this television special last night in terms of what they did. Uh, you, you heard the amount. Tell, tell, tell us a little bit about what we've been doing with Coaches versus Cancer and, and what the coaches are doing while we wait to get the coach back. Oh, you're talking to me now? Yeah. I, I just think what they're doing is amazing. These coaches are going out and, and they're able to raise money for a very serious issue. We've now had two coaches. Uh, coach Lang will be the third coach in the series who has come on, spent his time uh, talking about this cause and not just talking about it. That, that would be enough because of their profile and the ability of what they're, be, what they're able to do. But they're also out in the community dealing with this. Uh, hopefully we now have coach Lang on the line coach are you there nope all right so we'll, we'll work on that with the studio coach we'll, we'll work to with the studio get that figured out we know you can hear us uh we'll let them try and figure out what's going on jeff let's well let's... you're kind of from the same area where he grew up so if you want until he comes on you can you can be our uh our substitute coach Lang. i mean i can talk to you that... about 
president. about all, all of your basketball <laughs> exploits, which means we could we could then go back to our tryout from last year. If they, the show if would be over now if we talked about my basketball exploits at a oh no a no 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 I could talk about that for hours at a towering Are you kidding six inches and not quite in shape for anything that would not go well. I don't know. Your your dribbling skills were were top notch when we had that tryout. <sighs> that was so bad. I didn't go watch the video of you getting dunked on though. So that was kind of fun. That was definitely <laughs> kind of fun. Let's let's go back to talking Miami Heat while they work on figuring that out. I know yeah. he's near us. We'll let the station figure it out. Um, so they're obviously going to play tonight. See if they can close it out against the Celtics. You you think this series ends tonight, or you think the Celtics? Bring it on a little longer. No, I, th I think the Celtics have checked out. I think that they're they're going to the next hotel and then they're going to be playing golf in Disney World or, or then leaving. I, I think they. I just even even if they won tonight, I don't see how they come back from this. They they don't seem look. They had that incident a couple games ago where they went into the locker room and all started yelling at each other. Um, they have clearly the better team on paper. It's not even close. But it just goes to show you that the coaching and players that buy in is so important in the NBA. Yes, you have to have stars, but the NBA, but the Heat don't have a ton of stars. They have really good players who know their roles and can execute them. I mean, they're, they're intelligent players. They have have guys who can who don't turn the ball over. They do everything that a coach wants you to do. They, they play it's the so impressive. They are a basketball team. In every sense of the word, and then that's what you want, Coach Lang. You there? Try and bring you up now. I am here. What's up, guys? I know the studio says you're on. You're not on our end, so uh, we apologize for that. We'll make sure to get it fixed. Uh, we'll value your time uh, and not have you spend your time fixing this. Jeff will we'll work on the technical difficulties, which makes it fun live on the air. But I guess that's live radio, right? Yeah, <laughs> I can hear Some you places. guys. Can you hear me? All right, so. <laughs> Let's let's go back to the NBA playoffs. Lakers Nuggets are three. Fellas, can you hear me? Uh, Lakers are up in the series. Uh, did you watch the Anthony Davis uh, three at the buzzer? You know, that game was so frustrating to me because of the complaints before the game and then how the refs reacted to it. Um, and if you heard Coach Malone yesterday after the game, he said that he's now going to have a, a a discussion with the league. Because apparently it works to go and complain. Apparently, I mean, I did it last time. There we go. We we've got the coach there, Coach Lang. We apologize for that. Uh, thank you so much for holding on and hopping on with us. How you doing today, sir? I'm great, fellas. How are you guys? Uh, better now that we're talking to you. We appreciate your patience <laughs> as we figured out whatever gremlins were going on in the line there. Congratulations, guys! If uh, this is the worst thing that happens to us on everything we're all going through, I'm all good, man. Thank you for exactly. uh, having me on. Uh, congratulations! Huge night last night. You guys raised over five hundred thousand dollars with Coaches versus Cancer. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was like last night and what the experience is like for you to participate in such an effort? Well, I, you know, the fav my favorite part of um, the entire broadcast last night was listening to Coach Martelli and Coach Dumphy just talk about the history. You know, there's a lot of people that are just picking up everything that Coaches versus Cancer has been doing in terms of the, the Philadelphia City Six schools over, you know, maybe the last few years or last six years. But when you date this all the way back to – when the first seeds were planted and the efforts of all of the city six schools, but in particularly coach Martelli and coach Dumphy, and then how their spouses got involved. 
and how it has grown to this point. I just found that to be very inspiring. I think it's great history, and it shows the, the depth of thought that has gone into getting it where it was as it is right now. Coach, you're part of a really, as, as you said, the history goes back a while. So you're now part of a really important fraternity of coaches in this community that have, have kind of built upon this. What's it like to be part of this fraternity of coaches? Uh, you know, I grew up uh, just over the bridge in South Jersey, Haddon Heights, New Jersey, and the Big Five um, has been a part of my basketball journey you know, as a youngster and then as a coach, you know, I've been an assistant under Speedy Morris at LaSalle, under Jay Wright at Villanova, and now I have an opportunity to steward the program here at St. Joseph's. And then when you just think about the history of the great players and coaches, to just be one small part of this, you know, the story of it is so much bigger than any one human being. But just be to be one small part of this is really awe-inspiring, to be honest with you. I just hope I'm worthy of doing it. Well, clearly you're worthy and, and doing a great job, you know, developing these players as you try to build a program. What's it like to involve your players in this effort and how can that help you? We like to ask coaches sort of make them understand that there's more to life than just playing basketball, even though that's really important. Yeah, I mean, that that's a large part of what we try to do anyway, fellas. And you know, we so it's so easy for us as coaches and players to get caught up in what we do. And what we do matters. Like, you know, the, the, the importance of all of these six basketball programs to the health of their universities and to the spirits of the universities is a big deal. But it, it is just one part and one dimension of what we can be and what we can do in terms of serving a, a greater cause. So when you look at the stories, you know, some of the ones that were attached to that, piece last night and then some of the other ones and then just looking at how our players are able to react to you know a Jack Claran or an Andy Seeley for example or some of the history of you know some of St. Joe's closest people to the program battling against cancer I just think it level sets like okay we're just basketball players like for a big portion of our lives but we have an opportunity to use this basketball platform to serve others and to learn what others go through as well, which really gives us a sense of resilience. You, you talk about uh, using the platform. What's it been? I mean, look, this is an unusual time. None of us have ever seen anything like this. We've talked to, to other coaches about how you deal with these young adults and how you deal with these unusual times. What's it been like for you as a coach to talk to these these student athletes and talk about how they how they're going to use their platform and how they're going to be responsible with it. Well, I mean, there's a lot going on in our world, you know, from COVID nineteen to social justice, and, and that does not suppress the need to continue this battle against cancer. It's just all of these things are important. You can't just pick and choose which one is. Some might be a little bit more passionate than others to certain human beings, but these are all important factors in our lives so I, you just talk to them about what's going on you know don't try to hide anything be very very real explain to them um, that there's a chance to gain great wisdom from this there's a chance to serve people with this there's a chance to respect people with this there's a chance to elevate people with all that is going on and there's no textbook or playbook for being a coach in any sport in the year of 2020 <laughs> There just isn't. So the best thing we can do for our guys is love them. The best thing we can do is be honest with them. And the best thing we can do is tell them that this will be one small part 
of their lives, and but what we will gain from this will become a huge part of who we are and what we can do. Coach, you mentioned some of the social justice challenges that have come up, and, and we've talked to a lot of players and coaches about how when there have been conversations among teams, you've seen teams grow closer. Can you talk about what it's been like with you and your players, some of the conversations and challenges that these young adults have had to face that they probably already known about that other people may just yeah. be coming yeah, I mean, the biggest challenge, you know, without revealing too much that is said behind our doors is just the, the we need to feel that it's okay to be vulnerable. Like we, you know, I just take it as myself, you know, I'm a 48-year-old white male. I've got a lot to learn. So we have to be willing to learn. I want our black basketball players to share their experiences. I don't want our white players to feel guilty because that guilt will paralyze us and that paralysis will stop us from taking real action to help people uh, that need people that we are very, very close to. So the conversations we have had have been real. Um, They've been authentic. Uh, I'm just the kind of person that likes to just talk. If it's there, let's talk about it. Let's not dance around it. And I've learned a lot. I've been inspired by the conversations. I have watched our guys grow closer. And often that's what happens in challenges. You know, people will either divide or unite. Um, We've got a great spirit at St. Joseph's University. So we've united with this. And, you know, I, I even talk about, you know, where does systemic racism play in our battle in coaches versus cancer? Like, how do we help people that are not given the privilege and opportunity to get real help to battle cancer? So even at the level of coaches versus cancer, there's a way to tie in what is happening in the world in terms of systemic racism and social justice to help people that have cancer. And not, this stuff does not have to be siloed. They can become inclusive and I want us to think about ways where we can help. So before we get to what you're doing with St. Joe's, we would be remiss in not asking you, what was the experience like coaching at a place like Navy? Um, we have had the Navy football <laughs> coach on. By the way, I wanted Jason to introduce you because Jason had a harder time with the last Navy coach. I got that, it. Ken but, Lolo, <laughs> football coach. I butchered his name the first time we talked. But I got it right eventually, Coach. That's right. I, you know, I, I, persistence. I didn't give up, okay? Yeah, so what, what, is, what, what was it like uh, having the opportunity to coach uh, midshipmen? Well, first, Coach Niamatololo. How did I do there, guys? Was that pretty good? Great, right. yes. All right. Well, I should be okay. He was there all seven years I was there. He's such a great man. So I did not know that you guys had him on. But what an amazing leader. Uh, what a great coach, but the, the heart of who he is as a human being is really what makes him a great coach. So that was probably really cool that you guys got to connect with him. My my experience at Navy, I mean, listen, I was hired at the age of 32. You know, I had the passion for the job. I had the energy for the job. I had probably a baseline of basketball intelligence for the job, but like I did not have the maturity of a leader at that time. So being able to grow in the Naval Academy, like learning from so many different people, you know, whether it was our AD, Chet Gladchuk, or our coaches like Paul Johnson or Kenny Niamatololo, or guys that like headed up the Stockdale Center, like Colonel Art Athens, who was a retired Marine Corps colonel, uh, General Fuquay. I mean, all the commandants that I learned from, the experience I took from there, forget the basketball for a second, but the experience that I took from there from a leadership standpoint was priceless. The, the young men, 
that I got to coach. I mean, I thanked them that they, they went through that journey with me when I was still very, very young and the relationships I had with them. Now, I just learned a lot about myself. It was a very revealing time. And at the same point, I feel like I gave them everything I can. But being there at the Naval Academy, being in the city of Annapolis was a special moment in my life. You know, you mentioned becoming coach there at 32. You wanted to be a coach for a long time. Your dad was a coach. You have studied under some amazing names, Herb McGee at Philadelphia University, Speedy Morris, Jay Wright. You worked with Brett Brown's staff. Can you talk about how your coaching philosophy has been shaped by the people who have been around you and how you push that forward to your players? Yeah, I mean, and not only was it Herb McGee and Speedy Morris, you know, my father also is a state uh, Hall of Fame coach in the state of New Jersey, excuse me, you know, Jay Wright, Brett Brown, and then it's all the people that they've learned under, right? So Jay Wright coached with Roly Massimino, you know, and Brett Brown coached with Greg Popovich. So you're under, you get a little bit of what their journeys and their trees has been as well. And then ultimately you have to be yourself. And every one of those men that you have mentioned have encouraged you know, me to, you know, you got to be your own person. So you, you are who you are at your core, but then you learn from them. And it, it is X's and O's, but it's a lot of leadership stuff. I learned a lot about being a husband and a father in this profession from Brett Brown. He's a, he's a terrific man, you know, uh, Herb McGee and his dedication to his children. Uh, I really just learned a lot from these guys, you know, Jay Wright's commitment to the institution, Speedy Morris's ability to continue to keep his lifelong childhood friends. I mean, I've been around guys that have also shown me how to do it, not just from an X's and O's standpoint. It's been a real blessing. I'm very fortunate. So we're going to have basketball supposedly this season. What are you most looking forward to? Uh, I mean, I, I love every day that we get to be um, in the gym with our players training. I mean, this has been a unique time uh, with masks on and you got to social distance and can only have so many people um, in a gym at one time. And it's different rules across the country. So we're not all level set in terms of competing and training the same way. So this has been interesting. So what I'm most looking forward to is, you know, actually playing in a game and seeing, you know, what teams look like that are basically training and practicing under you know, somewhat similar rules, but really very different rules as well. I just want our guys to play. We have a very new team. Um, they need game repetitions. They need competitions. And we, we love representing the brand of St. Joe's University and the story of St. Joe's basketball. So I'm excited to see how this group puts all that together. Well, Coach, we wanted, before we let you go, we wanted to thank you again for, for everything that you're doing with Coaches versus Cancer. And we know it didn't end with the event last night. Uh, how can how can people contribute to the coaches versus cancer cause going forward? Well, well, I would encourage if every anyone is listening to this and didn't watch last night's episode, if they could tune in tomorrow at five on NBC Sports Philadelphia and look at it and be inspired, that would be great. You know, and going on uh, our website www.phillycvc.org and having an opportunity to see what there are a lot of areas in coaches versus cancer that you might find passionate about to dedicate some funds. And this is a really, really hard time uh, financially for many people in our country right now, in our world, really. But the, the battle against cancer doesn't stop. You guys have already mentioned, you know, we've raised um, just over half a million dollars, and we want to just keep it going. And just, you know, $10 matters, $50 matters. Yes, 1000 matters and 50 grand matters, but every one of our dollars that we contribute adds up. And, and you know what, fellas, often the coaches get a lot of credit, you know, but I do want to say this, in addition to thanking 
Coach Martelli and Coach Dunphy for really just getting this thing going, and hopefully we can live up to what they've done here. The work that Allie and Diana do day after day after day to keep this thing having some momentum given the challenges we're all going through right now, those two are really the rock stars. They, They are unbelievable in their passion for this battle right now against cancer, and I just wanted to make sure that they get a shout out today. Well, Coach, we will continue to push this out on our platforms and try and raise awareness. We thank you so much, like we said, for what you're doing. Wish you the best of luck with your team and as you guys get back on the court. And thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, fellas. Stay safe. You take care. Jeff, <laughs> I'm always so impressed. And it's I feel like it's what I say after every interview with these coaches. The, the quality of the people we have in the, in the city that lead these teams is is something else. It really is. It, it really is. I, I, it's, it's almost, I, you, you said that you're, you say it every week and people may think that's repetitive, but it, it bears saying as much as you possibly can say it. Cause I, I don't I think do that people real people who aren't from here don't understand how lucky we are to have this kind of group of coaches, athletes, owners, uh, people in the athletic departments of colleges. We're, we're re- from that standpoint, from a community service standpoint, we are incredibly lucky. What do you think? Was he more proud that he raised $500,000 for cancer or that I got the Navy coach's name right? I think he was more proud about the money raised for cancer. I think he was more impressed with with the fact, well, I was more impressed, impressed at how he, how he got it right. But um. Surprised, you know, whatever. No, it's, and I mean, See, but I, it, the I, only reason that's funny is pronouncing, look, we, we both pronounce people's names wrong all the time. What was what's funny about it is very similar to the story that we talked about a couple of weeks ago where you bragged about how you had never cursed on the air and that day lo and behold you did it. So as we were getting ready cuz we we interviewed the coach before the Army Navy game and we did that in person and you kept saying, "Oh, I got this." And you had a long explanation for why you were so good at pronouncing yeah, his name right. Back in my and, day when I wagered the occasional dollar on a game right i would stay up and bet hawaii all the time which is where he was before navy so i knew how to say his name i had no doubt going in and we went up to him and i could not say anything. it was like you had marbles in your mouth it was like all of a sudden because you said it about 10 times on the way there you said it while we were there and then and you were bragging about it and your chest was all puffed out and all of a sudden we got up and we started to talk to him and somehow it just left your head. So embarrassing. So embarrassing. <laughs> but, but I mean, he's, he's impressive though, the, the Navy experience. And I did want to ask him about the learning tree because I mean, you talk about being surrounded by names in this profession. I, I mean, he has learned from some of the biggest names that there do are. You th- do you think, so we've now talked to three of the six in the last three weeks. Um, and I get the impression just from a leadership standpoint that, that at least those three, plus we haven't talked to Jay Wright yet. Uh, we haven't talked to Aaron McKee yet, but it seems like these three are really going to be people that are going to be able to provide leadership and leadership may provide really good programs. Are we in potentially the beginning of the next great big five, big six period where these teams are going to start playing and it's going to be competitive. You know, it's interesting because I was wondering the same thing. And 
you know, basketball is different now. Players can make a name for themselves anywhere. So you don't mm-hmm. necessarily have to go to that top program where you may not get to play. And, and you know, you listen to these guys. If one of them comes into your home and, and sells you and your parents on that, I mean, if you're, you're a parent that just sent your son away to college, coach comes in and recruits your son, and that's what you hear, you're sending him there, if, if, right? Like- Look, but yeah, my, kid, my kid's a freshman in college now, and if, if, he, if he could shoot. Um... <laughs> but we love him. If he, if he could shoot better than he shoots, let's put it that way. And he was taller. Um, I, those three coaches that we've talked to, and, and especially Coach Lang today, uh, I would have absolutely no hesitation. I would pull my kid aside, and I said, look, that's the kind of person that you want to learn about life from. And to me, that's what coaching is. Yes, X's and O's, I have no question. The, the pedigree of these three coaches uh, is, is impressive because of where they came from and I think where they're going at this point in their careers. But you also want to have somebody who's going to provide them with leadership in directing their lives in a good direction. And when you have coaches that are talking about not just the X's and O's and talking about the game itself, but talking about how they themselves learned from these other coaches. Like, did you expect him to say that he learned from these great coaches in Philadelphia that he learned from about being a better father? That, that impressed. That's the kind of thing. And, that, and, and, and so, you know, and, and being impressed, you know, he's following a legend in Phil Martelli. Um, and the things that he talks about and the way that he talks about Phil Martelli, you can tell is genuine. There's always the talk about a student athlete and are they more student? Are they more athlete? Regardless of what they are, they're young men and young women that are developing in life. They're human beings. Learning how to be adults and how to participate in society. And that's somebody on the air there. So it seems like he has his priority straight in terms of what his focus is. And for his players, Mm -hmm. they will definitely benefit from that. I, I wanted to get back to the sports world uh, there's a lot to talk about. I'm going to let you ask your Sixers question first. Uh, well, for, first, first, why don't we go to a live read and see if I can botch it this week since you were so impressed that I got it right last week. How about that? It. So the American Cancer Society's Coaches versus Cancer Philadelphia program, the top in the country, aired the Coaches versus Cancer off the court. It's going to be airing, as Billy Glang said, tomorrow again. It's an exciting TV special featuring the Philly basketball community and their rich history of support for the American Cancer Society's mission. Expect to see appearances from the Philly coaches, media personalities, and more. Tune in tomorrow uh, or go online at phillycvc.org. Okay. Yeah, you yeah. did okay. You uh, did. It, it was okay. It wasn't as good. Better as well. last week. I well, mean, I also had to improvise because the, because the read that I had had for for the event yesterday, and as we know, yesterday already happened because this is live. So now you have to watch the replay on Saturday. We've just got lots of things to go over after the show <laughs> <laughs> today. Uh, let's get back. To All the- right. So now I'm going to ask you this. So so let me preface this. All we're hearing now and it sends a chill down my spine and not in a good way is that the Sixers still are enamored with Mike D'Antoni, a coach that has never won a championship despite being around for a long time, who has an under 500 record in the playoffs, who has never been able to coach a defense um, and needs three point shooters. None of that fits into what you would want if you're a Philadelphia person. 
The other thing that seems to be whispered in the corners is, is that one of the reasons that they want Mike D'Antoni is because he has a close relationship with James Harden. I assume what they're suggesting is that somehow he, they, he can get James Harden. Okay, so now here's my question to you. And I've given you time to think about it. So there'll be no fence sitting. Oh, there'll be right? plenty of fence sitting. Okay. And their other whispers are, if D'Antoni comes, they might be considering trades for Joel Embiid. Would you trade Joel Embiid for James Harden? Let me preface this answer by mm-hmm. this is the most this Sixers organization set of headlines possible. Yeah. Go after the name coach mm-hmm. just so you can get the name player in order to make more headlines. Right. Uh, my question to you back before I say yes or no is where does <laughs> No, ben- that's not how we this works, counselor. You don't get to ask a question in turn for a question. You gotta answer my question. But the whole problem with this current team is that the pieces don't fit together. So where does Ben Simmons play? Does he still want the ball in his hands and to be point guard, or is he going to be a number four like he should, so that Harden can do what he does here? Otherwise, no, he could. No, 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 no. See that? I think you're okay. So you still haven't answered the question. So answer the question, and then I'll respond. I don't want to do the deal. You want to do the deal? Why? Because I don't have faith in D'Antoni's system, and so you're chopping up your roster for a coach that I don't think is going to be successful. Okay, forget D'Antoni's. Okay, so now now take D'Antoni out of the equation. Okay, would you do the deal? Who's all? Who else is in it? It's not gonna be straight up. Well, I'm I'm asking you straight up. You can throw whoever. I, see, I, I don't want to get caught well, in the weeds. I, of this. I want to let's know- as, let's assume it's an equal value trade. Okay, but the main two players are Embiid and Harden. Do you do the deal? Yeah, maybe. How's that good for you? Bad? Are such a fence sitter. How? What is maybe? Because you just went through a whole conversation about how Miami is a team and they have role players. Okay, Elton Brand is calling you after the show today. And he's he's saying, look, I'm on the fence, Jason. Jason, you need to make this decision for me. He's not The whole city is waiting for you to make this decision. It's all on you now. What are you doing? No, I don't think I'd do the deal. And you don't get to call me. I don't think I'd do the deal because I don't know what the team's going to look like. I I would. I, would you? Why? Yeah, I, I'll, why? Because because Joel Embiid has shown a history of, I know what his potential is, I know what he can do on a given night, and I know he hasn't done it. I know he hasn't put in the work. The worst thing you can say about a, an athlete, or quite frankly, anybody in any profession, that they're not putting in the work, that they're not living up to their potential because they're not putting in the work. And we've seen this time and time again. We've also seen him get injured. And we've seen that this isn't working. So what's your so, rotation? Hold on, hold on. So, so now you, if you put Harden into this mix, you have a backcourt of Harden and Simmons. I think that works because I think then you have spacing. Okay. Harden doesn't need to take the ball off the court. And you have a limited period of time because you have Horford here. And Horford can now be your center. And centers don't have to be the star of the team. Okay. So you have Horford who can then create... All the spacing now happens the right way because you've gotten yourself a shooter and the window is closed or very close to closing for this Sixers group. So if you can now open the window and make yourself a better team by bringing in the shooter and getting rid of, quite frankly, kind of a malcontent at this point, isn't he? Why do you do this on the air? Why don't you just make your case first so that I can just say yes? 
you made because, a good case because that's exactly because that's exactly what you do what so now you're saying that i convinced you you convinced me it's a better idea than i thought originally i still want to know who else is on this team i don't okay, think well, well shake milton's going too Shake Milton's going. Maybe you get Robert Covington back. Can you, well, you, I'm happy? Saying, you get a three point, another three point shooter. Yeah, it's, that's what you need in D'Antoni's lineup. There, you know, Embiid creates cap flexibility when you move it, but you bring in a salary for Harden. You're still strapped. You need to have somebody who also can shoot the ball. Now that you're spacing out the floor without a center underneath, you're well, going to run a different offense that runs up and down the court with D'Antoni. Yeah, I but you're not going to you're not going to solve the whole world's problems in one trade. What, but what you need to do is you need to start on a mission. You need to you need to figure out what your roles are. And I think the roles, let's face it, the Ben Simmons to power forward, as much as I more than anybody on this planet want that to happen, isn't going to happen. Ben Simmons is going to be Ben Simmons is going to be a point guard. So, so you okay. need a coach here that's going to let him be a point guard. And the only way it works is if his backcourt mate is a sharpshooter. I'll throw it back to you then. Do you think Elton Brand pulls the trigger on a deal like that? Yes. It's a big decision right there. Yes. I think, I think he does. And I'll tell you why I think he does because the Sixers organization has shown time and time again that they want a headline. Okay. That's a headline. That's what I said. This is the most Sixers thing ever. Two for one. So I think they would do it. Player and a coach and we do better. And we, you you cannot sit there and keep doing this year after year, hoping that the results are different than what the results have been. And it, you know, everybody's got a shelf life in this business and Elton Brand's not going to have a job for very much longer if they keep going about being the seventh, eighth or possibly missing the playoffs, because that's what they're looking at next year with the current roster. That's what they're looking at. So do you roll the dice except when you've taken a loss? Remember, look at the heat. Okay. So here's another, let's go back to the heat again. The heat had Hassan Whiteside, right? Signed him to a huge deal. What happened? They said, you know what? We got to cut our losses. We have to accept that this was a mistake. So you've decided that Embiid is just cut your losses. That, because if it's not Dan Tony, No, no, no. See, it's different that- than Whiteside. So Whiteside was cut your losses and that's it. With, with Embiid, it's cut your losses but get value. So Embiid still has a ton of value. And, and that the reason that he has value would be the reason that the Sixers wouldn't do the trade. Every general manager is afraid that if they trade somebody away that has a ton of potential and then they realize their potential, that they look like the one who made the awful trade. But the fact is, if Joel stays here under the current circumstances, he wouldn't evolve into that player anyway. For whatever reason, it hasn't worked here. Now, if you're going to tell me he's only had one coach since he's been here and whoever the next coach is is going to be able to help him get to that next level and help him understand what real work looks like, go for it. But I don't think that's going to happen. He has been ridiculed on television by Shaquille O'Neal and Charles Barkley. It lasts one to two games before he goes back to stopping at the three-point line. That's why he didn't enjoy D'Antoni's offense. He could just stop at the three-point line. All right, enough of the hype. But he can't be your three-point shooter. Let's let's deal in the hard reality of the Eagles. Why don't we? (laughs) Whoa. So let's just go through the injury list. I mean, exactly what what do you want to discuss with the Eagles? Uh, the Eagles will play Cincinnati this week. People week. will be driving off the bridges, and it'll and be we'll look, we'll look to avoid going 0-3 for the first time since 1999, Andy yeah. first season as coach here. Mm-hmm. If they don't win this game, they okay. then play the Niners, the Steelers, and the Ravens. 
this game is kind of important for the Eagles season. If you think yeah, they still have a chance. That way they can go one and five instead of 0 and six. Uh, they are down other offensive linemen. Isaac Samalo's out. Jalen Rager is now out. So uh, Carson Wentz, his receiving core, once again, is Deshaun Jackson, J.J. Ortega, Whiteside, and rookie John Hightower. Uh, if they are smart, they Sounds will Sounds familiar, right? It's like what, the end of last season. To Miles Sanders a lot. The Bengals defense from the rushing side gave up 215 yards to the Browns last week. They're 22nd in the 22nd in the league overall defense, 30th in the league. Can the Eagles lose this game, Jeff? I mean, I know they can. Why 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 do you think they'll win the game? What what gives you I, any confidence that they I can? don't have any confidence? Right? <laughs> Other than the fact that I can't imagine this team starting 0-3. I have no confidence. It's like the illogical pick. This Cincinnati team is not bad. I mean, yes, they lost it. They lost to the vaunted Browns, but uh, Look, yes, that was sarcasm. They they were the Eagles were dominated last week by Sean McVay. The Bengals coach, who did he study under and was an assistant coach under? Sean McVay. I'm mm-hmm. guessing he watched the tape of Tyler Higby basically pantsing our players on the field over and over again, making them look silly. Look, it helped my fantasy lineup. It yeah. didn't help my fandom. Oh, don't you go to the fantasy and, football? Just it, don't. It, like it's it was one of those where it's like oh I don't want to see that oh I got fantasy points you 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 brought that up because you know that Saquon Barkley is, was my first pick right well uh, that, that yeah way to way to rub my nose in that talk about it though there were some huge injuries in the yeah. NFL this past week yeah Bosa torn ACL Saquon torn out ACL Drew Luck knocked out in Denver Tyrod Taylor taken out by his own team doctor in San Diego. Do you believe? Okay, Mister Lawyer. Not not only not only taken out by his own team doctor, but then 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 um, he got Wally pipped possibly. Yeah. Because uh, Herbert came in with with no spring practices and all of that stuff and looked like a star. He looked good. Do you, yeah. Tyrod Taylor, if you don't know, had his lung punctured by a team doctor while getting a pain shot. Uh, Jeff, I'm guessing there's some liability issues that are going on right now. Look, doctors make mistakes. Uh, I'm yeah. not gonna, I'm not, I don't, we don't know what happened. They're gonna investigate it. It happens and everybody makes mistakes. Luckily, he'll, he's, it looks like he's going to be okay. Uh, and that's the important thing, but he, he may have lost his job. Christian McCaffrey also out four to six weeks with an ankle, lots of fan. Right. Teams got got messed up. Players go <laughs> yeah. down. Um, you know, it's funny because what? Because when you, I'm sure when you had your draft too, people are sitting there going, "Well, what happens with COVID? What happens if a team can't play? What? What? You know, all of that stuff." Nobody expected that it was just going to be a, the old regular rash of injuries that were going to happen, including apparently Met, the Meadowlands at uh, turf apparently being a disaster. Although they sent people over there and said it's just fine, even though everybody seemed to get hurt. It's a lot of injuries for it being just fine. What is going to happen? So the Giants, I think, have a game there this week. I think it's also with San Francisco. Against the Niners, yes. What happens if more players get hurt? Well, look, didn't the vet used to have that problem with the turf? I mean, yeah, I that was the, that was the vet and the vet's jumped. turf. I remember the place was a player jumped and like broke both of his legs, tore both right. of his ACLs. I remember that play. Still, look, it's a problem for the NFL, but they apparently went there and said that it's okay. But the Niners complained about it before the game. This was not something like we're going to play the game and all of a sudden, whatever. They they were not happy with it before. The, the Giants' game. only chance of winning this game is that the field is going to be in the 49ers' heads. True. Very that, true. It, that is an issue. These players now have to go back to the, the scene of the crime 
with the criminal below their feet at all times. And it looks like Garoppolo won't play with a high ankle sprain. Mullins will get the start there for San Francisco against the Giants. Yeah, you're going to um, pick him up? You're going to pick up Mullins? No. Because I'm pretty sure he's a free agent in every league. Most likely. Uh, <laughs> we were five minutes away from the NFC East being one and seven. Uh, and then Atlanta happened. Did you see that Atlanta-Dallas game? Yeah. And so my question about that was, was the entire special teams under the impression that this whole um, social distancing applied to the ball? Like, they, I've, like what I still haven't seen an exp or heard an explanation yet as to why not one guy had a brain fart. The entire team looked like they were afraid to touch the football. What happened? What's they the explanation? Thought, well, well uh, generally the offense can't touch it before 10 yards, but apparently the defense got confused and thought that they couldn't either. They thought they were on offense? It was, like, like, it was bigger than that, though. They were, they were down 15 points, Dallas was, with five minutes left. It was bigger than just one play. It was a complete collapse. They haven't collapsed like that since. Yeah, but, but that play was epic. I mean, that, that play will go down as one of – that will go down like the, the uh, what was it, uh, Leon Lett play? Ah, uh, the snow. <laughs> Thanksgiving, where yes. he, he decided to dive on a football that everybody told him not to touch. Yes. That this was, was the complete opposite play. It was the complete opposite. Any games that, that get your attention this week? Anything you're looking out for? Well, it wasn't Thursday night football. That's Monday night game should be good. Kansas City at Baltimore. Houston, Houston versus Pittsburgh is a pretty good game, too. That line, apparently, there's a lot of people getting in on that game. Um, yeah. The Washington football team plays the Cleveland Browns, Jeff. You can watch that game. No, thanks. <laughs> not happening. Uh, the, Ra the Raiders versus the Patriots is not a bad game either now. That stadium looks really nice. Well, all of us. The, oh, the Death Star? Yes, it looked mm -hmm. very, very, very nice. Um, Are you going to be tuning into the Jets versus the Colts? No, and it's funny. I have a lot of Jets fan friends, and to listen to them argue about their coach is hilarious. <laughs> that 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 stadium has two of the has two of the worst teams in the NFL right now because the Giants are awful and without Barkley, so they have no running game. Unfortunately, they scoop for for Eagles fans. They scooped up Devontae Freeman before the Eagles could, uh, but Sterling Shepard is now also on the IR. So and Daniel Jones hasn't exactly been playing great. And the defense stinks too. So I think the Jets are, are, I think, unanimously the worst team in the league. But the Giants are pretty close behind. So are the Eagles. I mean, if you're living on the Northeast Corridor right now, there ain't a lot of football, good football between New England and Baltimore. No, not at all. I, I wanted football to come back, but I've been losing my mind. <laughs> you're changing your mind now. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm rethinking my opinion that football should be back watching some of these games. Okay, so now since since you're rethinking that, what about Saturday's version of football? Or at least the teams uh, that are able to play, Notre Dame not being one of them because they have, what, seven cases? So this week we saw the Pac-12 reverse course. Mm -hmm. They're going to start playing November 6th. Well, they say they're going to, but they, they, ha they, they have big problems. So for people that don't understand, this isn't just about the schools. So when, when people complain that the schools should let these guys play, there's a problem. Cities like Los Angeles don't allow groups of people together. The county of Boulder does not allow groups of, of students together in large numbers. So they're not allowed right now to even practice. So when you have all of these issues, I don't know how the Pac-12 is going to get off the ground 
for the 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 mini schedule they're playing, which is seven games, it's six games, and then there's a championship game for two teams, and the rest of the teams play their seventh game. It doesn't even take into account the fires going on out there, where this right. sometimes makes it impossible for them to play. It is definitely going to be a challenge for them. Fans won't be there. Uh, this week's games of teams that are playing: Notre Dame, Wake Forest is canceled after seven positive postponed week postponed yeah um usf paused their activities because they played notre dame the week before north texas houston versus houston is also postponed this week um anything does anybody outside of texas care about that game not particularly any uh, any only people who have money on it (laughs) (laughs) but that's legal in lots of places now so it's okay Mm -hmm. There are some top 25 matchups. You've got Kentucky against Auburn, Louisville, Pittsburgh, Army, Cincinnati. Um, So there are some early season matchups that are there. You have the big names playing with Florida, LSU, uh, Alabama, all on the docket. So as a, as a pit grad, uh, when I, when I opened up my uh, ESPN app and looked at the top 25 and saw Pitt in the top 25, uh, I contacted my fellow Pitt alum in, in our friend Keith Pompey and said, hey, look, we're in the top 25, to which the response was something like, yeah, it took a, it took a pandemic for them to be in the top 25. Now that other conferences are going to play, Pitt, you're right back out. There, yeah, they'll, they'll be out quickly. Yeah. Um, are you having a hard time getting into college football this season? Yeah, really hard time. Part of the thing that I love about college football is the atmosphere around college football. The fans, all, band, the the sounds, the 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 sights, and and that's just not there. So yeah, you're watching football, and it's fun to watch football, but it's not the experience that you're used to watching a big SEC matchup or a big Saturday night Big Ten matchup or something like that. Yeah, it's 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 very hard to watch. I know there were a couple teams that had um, socially distanced fans, but it, even that looked awkward, and it just doesn't sound right. And you're right, it, it is. I mean, when there's a college football game on television, I would be willing to venture a guess that that the cameras look more at the stands than the actual game, because the actual game's only sixty minutes. Game's on for over three hours. Most of the rest of that is panning to the fans before and after scores, before and after big plays, all of that the stuff. There is none. Yeah, there, there, there's stuff. none in that. Yeah, none of that stuff, that, that atmosphere just isn't there. So it's a different experience watching these games this year. Mm-hmm. I, it's funny because I'm a huge college football fan, and I just have a, had a harder time getting into it, and I just kind of wonder if that's why. Yeah, and I, and, and I love going. I mean, to me, there is nothing, there is no better experience in person than a college football game. It just, just the atmosphere is out of this world. I mean, I spend every Labor Day going to Michigan's opening football game and it, missing it is, is just, you know, it really bums me out, but there are bigger fish to fry that we need to deal with right now. And, and college, I'm glad they're playing for the, the student athlete's sakes, as long as they're safe, but it, it, it's not the same. you're just it's never like the whole idea that they're going to have this playoff it's like how how in the world is this going to happen you're going to have teams that play seven games versus teams that play 10 or 11 games did you see how are you going to figure it out trying to take away the win-loss records for bowl games who did who wants Uh, it they wanted it where like you don't have to have a certain amount of wins to play oh yeah so there could be teams that win four games that go into a playoff just because they're a big go to a bowl game and would bring viewers because they won't be bringing fans to the bowl yeah so so i have a question about about these bowl games other than the the playoff games 
they really going to have the blue bonnet bowl this year? I don't even know if that still exists. Sorry. Um, are they, they, are they going to have the hall of fame bowl? Are they going to have the motor city bowl? Are they going to have all these like secondary bowls that we're used to seeing when, when you can't go, it, it, it's gotta be a, a massive loss monetarily to um, have bowl games when you don't have the parades that go with it and the fans that come into the city, all the alumni that come in, the students that come in, none of that's going to happen. So what's the point in having these? Just so we have we have we have content on television. If I'll say it again, gambling. That's that's why these games. Who are was played. betting on the Blue Bonnet Bowl? Uh, or I, the Idaho Idaho that, Potato Bowl or what, whatever. Myself. My mom is still embarrassed by some of the games that I gambled on back in the day when I was betting. The Weed Whacker she Bowl. Would appreciate that they have. It if I didn't talk about those days in my life, even though they're over twenty years ago, she's still embarrassed by some of the things that I, I gambled on. I bet on the East West Shrine game, Jeff. People will put <laughs> money on games if they would like to gamble on games. Did, Trust did, me. I did, you, did you bet on the on the? Um... The, the bad boy Gasparilla Bowl or whatever that well, one is. That's the, the East West Shrine game is actually how my dad knew that I was gambling on games because I was so into a game that meant nothing that he was like, what, do you have money on this or something? Why are you so into this right now? What's, What's wrong with you? So past those happy times of me losing yeah. in my life to more happy times now, Jeff, the Phillies collapse continues. It, the collapse Sunday, is not complete yet. To be fair, Sunday, they have three games left. Last Sunday, they had an 87% chance of making the expanded playoffs. Yeah. Then they lost four games in a row and had a 33.5%. So the Nationals, and this is not the world champion Nationals. This is a bad Nationals team with no Strasburg, with no Max Scherzer, with no, um, you name it. There's this, This team was not good, and they should not have gone into Washington and not been able to win those games they have a 50 50 chance of making the playoffs heading into the final weekend and jeff how who gets the ball tonight for your philadelphia phillies for the first three innings it's vince velasquez your boy Vinny v gets the start tonight will you be throwing things at the tv when he's up at like 20 pitches in the first inning before anybody's out the question will be who throws more pitches me at the television or vince velasquez in the first four innings I'm going to go with Vinny V. Uh, the bullpen <laughs> continues to be historically bad, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, 7.11 ERA. That's the second worst bullpen ERA in Major League Baseball history. Yes. They've been playing baseball for a how, while. How man. close are they to being the worst? Like, uh, is there a chance? to get there. It was the 1930 oh. Phillies who had an 8.01 ERA. So I don't think they're going to make it, but they've given it their best effort to make that happen. It's not just that they can't hold a lead. It's not just that they've blown 11 saves. They're historically. It's, it's, <laughs> of the 13 pitchers who have appeared in mm-hmm. those tight situations, mm-hmm. nine of them, nine of 13 have an ERA over 10. Another one, Alan Hale, has only faced one batter, and he gave up a hit. All right. Well, let, let's hope it goes better this weekend. They do have Nolan Wheeler going on Saturday and Sunday, assuming they can somehow get through this game. And San Francisco has four games in three days. So there's, there's, we're saying there's a chance. You said but, with the ultimate but just, just because your blood pressure doesn't seem high enough. You know, you focus this entire hellish season on whether they're going to sign JT Real Muto. Uh. And we've now heard that that doesn't sound promising, 
but here's here's the what we've been missing I all this time. To draw Hold on, no, stop. Out stop. of town. Yeah, but here's what we've been missing while we've been focusing on that they're not going to sign JT Real Muto, and it does matter that they that they that they may not sign him. Didi Gregorius is on a one-year deal, if I'm right, too. And he is he has had a great season. Spectacular. I mean, in clutch. Beyond uh, clutch you, I know you're not allowed to bet, but if, if you were allowed to, I would bet you any amount of money that next season, unfortunately, and this is going to make you gag right before we go off the air, that, that Didi Gregorius and JT Realmuto are going to be wearing New York Mets jerseys next year. That doesn't surprise me at they all. They have That's a billionaire buying that team, and he's going to spend a fortune. I have told you my concern all along. You did mm-hmm. not lock up your catcher. You have the wealthiest owner in baseball now. Mm-hmm. People don't realize what the Mets just did. They yeah. went from being a team that lost money with the Madoffs and they, couldn't pay their bills, signing the worst contract ever with Bobby Bonilla. They signed now. the biggest deal. They signed the biggest deal of the season. Yes, absolutely, mm-hmm. and. They will spend money to make a splash. He will want to win. And I am very concerned that they go and they outbid for JT Real Muto. And we get to watch Sixto in Florida. And we get to watch JT in New York while we try and figure out what we're doing here. Because once again, we made a decision and didn't actually go forward with it. We just, eh, eh, whatever. Worse yet, we're going to have Mr. Met flipping us the bird. It's ridiculous, man. Reese Hoskins likely done for the season. You think he ends up with elbow surgery? Because that would take him out a lot of next season, too. I, that I don't know. I mean, it, the way he's played the last two seasons, even though I still think that this was a coaching thing that messed him up, uh, it looks like Alec Bohm is the real deal. I mean, he, he has had a very impressive season. He's, he hasn't hit for the power that you would hope, but but he's he's hitting for average. He's playing the field well, especially at first base. He's played very well. Defensively, he's played well, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's where everybody was really concerned about where does he fit? There wasn't a question about his bat, really, mm-hmm. ever. It was his defensive skills and could he play third base? Could he play first base? Where is he going to fit? Um, so that that was a big question. If I, you sign JT, I mean, this team hitting has no problems if you sign JT and keep DD. Because no, Bryce problem. Harper has, has had a great season and he's apparently done it with a bad back. Problem is you need a bullpen. So what are you going to do? You now you need a bullpen and JT and DD. They're not going to do. I'm going to tell you get ready in the off season and <clears throat> we'll try out for the bullpen. Oh God, it couldn't go much worse. Any last words? Oh, you blow a game. You blow a game. What's Can I take back that I look forward to speaking to you every week? <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night. Help you start your weekend. It's when that. you'll be looking forward to talking to me again. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye bye.